0: Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Come on. 2020. We're five days into it. Is it good for you so far? Hopefully it is. It's too early for me to really find out if it's going to be good the rest of the year. But um, the first five days, not too bad. Again, um, tomorrow's my birthday, just in case you want to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you didn't bring a gift today, you can bring it next Sunday. Um, And... um, I will happily receive it. That's just a joke, by the way. I saw some of you bury your head in your lap, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Um, No, but my name is Daryl Temple. It's a privilege to be with you guys here this morning. Um, Me and my wife, Bethany, she was the woman who kind of led us in that beautiful time of prayer. Uh, We co-pastored this place, uh, Hilltop, together, if you can imagine, a young kind of buff looking guy like me, um, you know, holding the place down and actually being a pastor is quite amazing. Um, But no, me and her, we hold this place down. We pastor this beautiful community. And um, welcome to church. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Welcome. Um, This is kind of like what we do when the kids aren't home. Uh, We kind of just throw all the chairs in a big giant circle and worship together. Um, What I mean by the kids not being home is we have a lot of college students that are gone. They get a a remarkable, um, quite extensive time off this time of the year. I, I... I was actually this year contemplating going back to school and, and uh, just so I could enjoy the long vacations. Um, not so much the debt, I get that, you know, and the the, the, the financial responsibility, but I, but I wouldn't mind, you know, a month off. That would be great. So we just decided to kind of scale it down a little bit. Although um, I've been hearing that there's been some complaints about the sound, I apologize. Listen, this room is about easy to mix in as, um, I don't know, how can I... Uh, a tin can, yes, it's, it's echoey. There's just so many things going on here with these high ceilings. We try to do our best, and um, we actually thought that it would be quieter, but we don't have the drum set caged, and, you know, I think this is just a beast in and of itself. And so, uh, but thank you for your patience, and hopefully you've been enjoying it. I've, I've, I've been enjoying looking across from me and seeing others on the other side of the room worship Jesus. It's encouraging and altogether all beautiful. And so, um, Well, how many enjoyed last Sunday? Uh, if you were here. How many were here last Sunday? This would be interesting. This would be. In- how, how many were here last Sunday? Uh, okay, a couple of you. We had a full house. I don't know where all the rest of them went. We must have scared them away. Um, but um, if you would, turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. You're probably familiar with this chapter um, and the story uh, that um, this chapter has in it about Jesus and a Samaritan woman. But I want to um, just draw our attention to four verses uh, verses 32, I think, um, 32, I'm sorry, 34 through 38. I don't know why I chose to use my Bible today, but I thought it would be cool to just have you know, the pages and a leather-bound book before me rather than my iPad, but we'll see how it works. Um, starting in verse 34, Jesus said to them, them being his disciples, my food is to do the will of him. He's referring to God, so Jesus is Food is substance is to do the will of God who sent him to accomplish his work. And then he goes on in verse 35 to say, Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Verse 36, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true one sows and another reaps. I sent you, say you, You. I sent you. We might as well just include ourselves in the you here. I know Jesus is talking to his disciples, but he's uh, quite frankly addressing his disciples there and all the disciples that will come after these disciples. And so he says, For here. I say, the saying holds true. One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that I don't stand up here alone. I don't need to just come with my own thoughts and my own words, Lord. But, Lord, I, I ask right now, God, that your Holy Spirit would fill my mouth. Um, with the right words to say, the right words to speak, the right words to provoke the heart, to call this church to action. Jesus, I pray. Uh, I, don't, I don't have that ability, Father, but you in me, you in me, we can go a long way. And so, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and testify of Jesus in this place and revive our hearts according to your word. Amen. Amen. Okay. Listen, i like to title this message this morning, What are you looking at? Now, if you were here last Sunday, we uh, talked a little bit about, well, I guess we did more than talk. I hope we did more than talk. We we kind of discussed um, the upcoming year and kind of like what we felt like, well, what I felt like. It was kind of like a one-sided conversation, seeing how I had the mic and you guys just sat there and listened. Uh, But I, I tried to kind of unpack, I guess, in the best way that I could, the mission that I believe uh, uh, Christ wants us to focus on in 2020. And it's really it was really no heavy-revy, you know. It was extremely biblical in that Jesus has called the church uh, to be um, his disciples and to go into the world and make disciples. And we got into this discussion how um, it would be fitting for us in 2020 to uh, be focused on the mission that Christ has sent his disciples uh, to go into the world to make disciples rather than focusing or obsessing over managing the church. Um, we talked about how management's not bad, but it just shouldn't be our focus in 2020. Our focus should be reaching the lost. And so I'm going to kind of build off of that this morning. And again, the title of the message is, What Are You Looking At? Now, I'm not talking about the kind of what are you looking at when you get up in the morning, your wife is next to you, and she, she's looking at you, she's wondering, what did I do? Who did I marry? And you're like looking back at her, and you're like, uh, what are you looking at? I'm not talking about that kind of what are you looking at. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm talking about the kind of what are you looking at when you're just, you're, your eyes aren't, aren't, aren't focused on the right thing, the right person, or the right place. And so what are you looking at? Now, here in John chapter 4, we read four verses towards the tail end, 34 through 38. Uh, but it would be fitting for us to give a little bit of context. And I'm sure many of us here already know uh, the story in John Chapter Four, this is the story of jesus 's um, encounter, if you would, with the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, back in verse one uh, jesus 's kind of following is increasing. Uh, John actually says that uh, Jesus is baptizing more than John the Baptist, and we all know what happened to John the Baptist. He kind of irritated the uh, religious structure of his day. Um, and uh, well, he was imprisoned um, and, and later beheaded because of the effective and fruitful ministry. He, uh, John the Baptist prepared the way for the Messiah, and, and the Pharisees didn't like this. Um, for many reasons, but for the main reasons, is that they were insecure. They were jealous, if you would. And so they thought it would be fit to put John in a prison. Well, Jesus' status is growing. His popularity is growing. And the Pharisees, the religious structure of Jesus' day, well, they're again getting irritated. We all know where this actually ends uh, or puts Jesus in uh, towards the latter part of his ministry. It actually puts him on the cross, right, uh, The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're irritated. They decide to put Jesus to death. Um, But it's not Jesus' time to to, to be put on the cross. He knows this. And so he is about ready to leave uh, uh, Judea to go to Galilee. And and on his way to Galilee, he's going to stop in um, the town uh, Sitkar, I believe is the way you pronounce the name. And it's a Samaritan uh, village. And if you know anything about the relationship of Jew and Samaritan, you know that it's quite toxic. Um, If if you're privy to the gospel and you've read uh, uh, some of the things that happen between these two people groups, you know, they're not the best of friends, really. And um, Jesus passing through on his way to Galilee stops by uh, Samaria. Now, scholars are kind of conflicted. They don't know if Jesus... um, Uh, uh, was intentional about this, or if it just happened to be that it was the quickest route to get to Galilee. But what we do know is Jesus does something very provocative. He stops at a well. He talks to a woman, but not just any woman, a Samaritan woman, two things of which any Jew is going to frown upon and despise. Luckily for Jesus, before this thing got out of hand, his disciples decided to go a little further into Galilee and get some supplies, I'm sorry, into Sikkar. Uh, my, my bad, to get supplies to, to, to finish their journey on to Galilee. And so Jesus stops by this well, the well of Jacob, and this woman comes in the sixth hour of the day, which is an awkward time of the day, given that it's a hot time of the day. It's not, it's not necessarily a time in which you're going to, like, you know, strap some jars onto your back and truck up to the well and grab some water. It's hot. It's, it's, it's miserable, and even Jesus in the chapter is weary from his journey, right? And so he's stopped by uh, the well, and, and here he is now uh, uh, seeing this woman coming near in the sixth hour of the day. It's an awkward time of the day. Not only is it a hot time of the day, and that being awkward, but it's also she's alone of which is not common either. So it's, a, it's kind of like a wrong time of the day, and she's all by herself, which kind of is indicative or kind of paints out the picture that she's a bit uh, herself, a, a kind of a social outcast, if you would. She's a misfit. She's not even loved or, or really received by her own people. And we don't have the time to get into all the details of the conversation that Jesus and this woman had, but it's a beautiful one. And um, we see, I think, we see many sides of Jesus. We, one, see Jesus the prophet, right? We see, if you're familiar with the story, we see Jesus the evangelist. He kind of works up this conversation. He asks right in, I think, verse 7, a real mysterious question. He's like, woman, can you give me a drink, right? And, and, you know, it kind of lends to this beautiful dialogue between the Samaritan woman and the Messiah. But that's not where we want to go today. We want to focus on verse 34 through 38. Um, But I would encourage you, nevertheless, to go back and read the story multiple times because it is a beautiful story. That will deeply impact your heart every time you place your eyes on it. Around, I think, verse, well, let me be sure of this. Around 27, the disciples come back uh, to now a conversation that Jesus and the Samaritan woman is having. They don't say anything, but they're thinking a lot. How many can relate, right? You're probably thinking a lot right now as I speak to you. What is this guy doing? Why is he talking loud? Why is he talking fast? You know, why is he pacing? You know, so, so they're, they're asking questions in their head. Listen, this is who I am, okay? You just get over it. I accept you for you who you are. You accept me for who I am, right? But the disciples are a little bit turd. They're a little taken. Why? Well, because it's a woman that Jesus is talking to, and she's a Samaritan. So even though the route that Jesus chose may have been common. What was uncommon is for Jesus to actually stop and make time for a Samaritan woman. And this is what they're kind of confused about. They don't say anything, but in verse uh, 20, 31, excuse me, uh, the disciples ask Jesus, hey, uh, have you eaten, right? That seems like a logical question. They just um, grab some extra supplies from Sikar and they're back. Uh, with Jesus by the well, and they uh, they forgo their own kind of premonition and kind of thoughts about him talking to this woman, and they just act something very natural, something that would bless my heart if one of you guys came up to me. Did you eat? I love to eat. Therefore, it would warm my heart to hear this. But this is not where Jesus is going. He is not interested in getting a fig from Sakkar. Okay? Um, so, he responds in verse 31. We didn't read it, but let's... Turn there if you're already there, if you kept your place. In verse 31 of chapter 4, it says this. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know. Now, if I'm one of Jesus' disciples, I'm a bit confused. I'm like thinking, did Jesus like sneak in a fig, you know, from... Uh, Judea, did he have like a banana in his knapsack? What's going on here? Like, what did you do, Jesus? I mean, we went, we went into town to get supplies, and here you are. You're talking about, you, you know, it's funny. Um, my son is allergic to gluten, right, um, and many other things. And every time we go to the movies, uh, we have to like pack this bag full of like non-GMO uh, you know organic candy i didn 't even know there was such thing as organic candy i, I 'm pretty sure those companies are lying to us right but but we you know in good conscience, we stuff this bag full of stuff that we know we can pump down his throat uh, during the movie so that he 's not going to swell up like a well whatever and, and get sick on us and um, it 's funny i don 't even know why i 'm sharing this story but um, I often have quoted Jesus here at the movie theater. Um, <laughs> hey, we'll go with his cousins and uh, his uncles to, we just went to Star Wars. How many saw the new Star Wars movie? I don't even want to get, Woo! That movie was terrible, man. That, sorry, I won't even go there. Uh, we recently went to the movie and it was one of those times. We were pumped, we were like packing up, like the non-GMO popcorn and candy and just getting it lit and getting it packed and getting ready for the movie. And uh, we showed up, and, of course, all his cousins got those big tubs of, like, you know, movie theater popcorn. You know what I'm talking about. Like, they they could barely, like, like carry them. They're so big, loaded with butter and sugar. Uh, They got the two, uh, like, gallon jug of soda and, and Skittles and all these things. And meanwhile, we're walking up, and, and, you know, from the looks of it, me and Abram got nothing. We're just like, yeah, you know, we're just going to suffer and watch you eat, you know, popcorn and candy, you know. And I have a bag on my um, backpack, and his little cousin said, hey, you know, Uncle Darryl, I feel kind of bad. You, you let me share this with Abram. He's like, got nothing. And I'm like, no, son, I have food you know not of. <laughs> and, so, and so this is, I say this to say that Jesus is not, uh, um, he is not, he's not, he doesn't pull any wool over the disciples' eyes. He didn't speak anything in. He, he's leading them somewhere. I, I believe in their understanding to think a little bit more, uh, specifically about the harvest and obedience. And so Jesus says, uh, you know, I, I have food you know not of. And um, then in verse 34, he kind of clarifies, because in verse 33, they kind of well, do what any, other, any of the disciples would do, some things that we still do. We ask the question over again, right? <laughs> what do you mean you have food that we know not of? Are you hungry? <laughs> you know, like, I'm confused. Like, let me just ask that question again, Jesus. Can you? And um, Jesus answers in verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and, and to accomplish his work. Let me read this again. My food, this is Jesus, the Son of God, God, God the Son, saying, my food is to do the will of him, God, who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Have you ever seen, I think, in the late, I don't want to say late, 2007, because that would be ridiculous, but in 2007, Snickers released, uh, like a, I think it was like the Super Bowl of 2007, these commercials, where um, the slogan was, Snickers, they satisfy you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I I dating myself? Well, you can believe me. You can Google it. It's there. Um, They used to do these commercials, still do, where, um, like, let's just say, like, a group of, like, five to seven friends were together, and maybe they were going to a party or, you know, a game or, uh, you know, social gathering, and um, one of the friends seemed to be a bit of a diva, right? And, And They just seemed to be angry, kind of irritated, but yet... This friend was kind of like an old celebrity. They, it wasn't like, you know, they were calling him Joe, but it was actually like Joe Pesci. Anybody know who Joe Pesci is? Joe, Pe- Joe Pesci? Okay. Really dating myself. Betty Ford, anybody? Betty Ford? Okay. Well, um, anyways, so th- there would be one person within this group, the five to seven people, that would just be disgruntled and, you know, like whining and complaining, kind of like me. I'd be that guy. Um, and, 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 and in good you know, heart and faith, his friend just, one of the friends goes to the guy who's disgruntled and says, hey, hey man, have a bite of the snicker. And immediately the guy would bite, or the girl would bite the snicker and they would just go to their natural self. They would just be like, oh, thank you. And they wouldn't be disgruntled and be a diva. Uh, This is how I would liken what Jesus is talking about here. Not necessarily in an angry way, but in a satisfying way. What I mean by that is that there is something about obedience that is satisfying, that fulfills us, like ultimately nothing else can. And Jesus touches upon that. But let me tell you this. It's not any kind of obedience. It's a specific kind of obedience. It's the obedience of sharing your faith. Let me, let me say that again. We're not just talking about being obedient to go to church in the morning. That's lame. You should go. We're not talking about being obedient to not watching that rated R movie or perhaps that rated X movie. Oh, we're talking about a specific kind of obedience. And that is gospel-sharing, gospel-spreading evangelism. Because remember, Jesus says this in the context of evangelizing this Samaritan woman. But what we find out later in the Scriptures is not only will Jesus and His disciples evangelize this Samaritan woman, they will from there go into the Samaritan city and evangelize that city and turn it upside down for the glory of Christ. And so, I want to talk briefly about how obedience to the mission, remember last Sunday we talked about mission over management, how obedience to the mission that God has given his church can and will fulfill us and satisfy us if we let it. We have so many Christians walking around the church, just daft out and clueless on life, feel like they have no purpose, no direction, and meanwhile, we, we constantly look like the world and the fact that we're like, well, well, maybe if I get that house and that, 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 that pay raise, and maybe if I nip it there and tuck it there, maybe if I, you know, you know, get a grill and, like, work out my teeth a little, you know, and get it more of a, you know, uh, maybe if I lose some weight. You know, the list goes on. We're constantly looking and desiring fulfillment in life, purpose in life. And ultimately, we get that new thing, Right? We get on to what we thought was going to satisfy us. What was going to make everything better. We get it, and we find out it's disappointing. It's kind of like Christmas. Amen. Christmas is awesome, but once it's over, it's slightly disappointing. It is really. It's like, well, what? 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 It's over. What do you mean it's over? Like, it was so good. But we treat. Our faith, our walk like this all the time. And Jesus is trying to let us, I believe, into something. Obedience to God is deeply fulfilling. Jesus, uh, or for Jesus, obedience looks like doing the will and the work of the Father. Let me say that again. Obedience to Jesus or for Jesus looks like doing the will and the work of his Father. And on, well, the job description for that day, for that day that they were in was simply bringing the story to the Samaritan woman and then bringing it to the Samaritan people. That, that was the mission for the day. And, and, and though there's many interpretations, there's many ways to kind of preach this particular sermon, what we do know is that Jesus for sure was on mission. When he, when he went to the Samaritan, he wasn't, he was, he was I'm sure. Well educated, well abreast on what way was quicker, what way was less controversial, you know, like oh like if I bring him through Samaria, my disciples are gonna bellyache I and mean, be like, what are you talking to these Samaritan people for? Like, why do I even want to put up? He's intentional, he's on mission, and in this mission that he's on, he is feeling fulfilled, fully satisfied. And and you guys, for me today, 2020. I need to come to a place of feeling more satisfied and more fulfilled in life. I, I need to come as a pastor to a place where my being satisfied is not about the numbers gathered here. Our, the, the, the amount of influence we're growing and how, how much God is doing in our midst. And my, my identity and security can't be wrapped up in that. Because it's, it's, it's entirely, entirely misleading. And I imagine for many of you, there's, 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 different, there's different circumstances of, of places of where you're trying to find fulfillment and you're trying to find satisfaction, you're trying to find purpose, and you just, you just can't. You, you try something new, you get that new thing, you get that new raise, that new job, that new house, those new clothes, whatever it is, and, and you find out it's not a short time after you get that new thing, you're just as disappointed. You feel just as empty, and aimless in your life than you did before getting it. Is there anybody here who can relate? And, and, and so, my my kind of plea, my kind of plea, it is really a plea, um, is for us to be rooted and grounded in what I would say is more fulfilling, more satisfying than anything on this planet. More than relationships, I mean, I know that there's some of you desiring to want to be married in a relationship. I don't think there's anything wrong with that desire. I had that desire once myself. But I know uh, at some point in order to really feel fulfilled in my life and satisfied that my desire needed to go a little deeper than that. Because now a married man, listen, there is ways in which my wife disappoints me, fails me does not satisfy me. And I'm not saying anything to her discredit. I'm actually saying it to my own. And so I have to be rooted, I have to be grounded in something far greater than marriage, than money, than uh, whatever it is, pleasure, uh, spending. I don't know what your stick is today. We all have them. And I think Jesus wants us to be rooted and grounded in something greater than just what this world sells us. See, the world is selling you a lie, friends. But Jesus is not selling us something. He's giving us truth. And I say, why not try it? Why why not investigate in 2020 and actually see if, if being obedient to the mission that God has put us on might fulfill some kind of, you know, Deep longing within us, uh, uh, maybe an emptiness or a yearning that we've had. Maybe just by being witnesses, God will fill us with something greater than just wanting a new house, wanting this or that, whatever it is. You know, have you ever? You ever? Um, I want to make sure I say this right, but it, it's it's a good point. H- have you ever done something? That you didn't want to do, but then after you did it, you were so happy you did. It happens to me all the time. Seriously, I'm so grateful for my wife, because apart from her, there would be no adventure. No, seriously, like, okay, I know, you're like, he is so lame. You're right, I am. In this department, I'm lame. I just want to, like, camp out, be home, you know, it's like, around Christmas, perfect example. Um, You know, we had a kid, you know, obviously, our one night of passion resulted in... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, but you know, we, we're trying to make Christmas and the holidays special for Abram, you know, and his cousins, and so, you know, she whips up some good idea about, like, going to see Christmas lights, and I'm like... Yeah. You, know, just, you get like that, you're just like, I just don't want to pack up the car, and, and, of course, we're like a organic family. so we gotta like pack up a bunch of food that you know is and then you know and then she's like got this fear of like germs and so we gotta pack up a bunch of antibacterial stuff and and then there's um there's always the cold weather. Abrams walking out of the house like this. <laughs> I mean we're gonna be in the car. It's cold outside. We're gonna be in the heated car. But um but I all oh, I constantly get talked into doing things that at first I don't want to do, to be honest. I'm like, I want to just stay home. This has been watched like, you know, Christmas stories on Netflix. Isn't that fun? No, it's not fun. Um, but yet when I get into it, when, I'm, when, I, when I say yes, and we're there, we're in the car, we're going, we're a family, I'm like, this is awesome. This is enjoyable. I, I love this. And so in that, on those regards, I'm, I'm grateful to my wife. I'm, I'm glad that she uh, is adventurous and she's willing to even maybe press past our own tiredness and really make things fun for the family. Um, it's just not who I am personally, but I will go along with the program for sure. But when I do, I, I, I find that what at first I was kind of reluctant to do and somewhat didn't want to do, I'm actually now enjoying. I think that this is how evangelism works. You know, I, I know, I know. We like to make it, listen, you know, the, like reaching out to people, And loving people, because I obviously think that the most loving thing you can do is share your faith with people. I I really do. I mean, you may think, well, that's not, you know, that's ridiculous. Well, for me, that's what I find to be one of the most loving, if not the most loving thing I can do for someone. Um, But we always try to, like, mystify it, right? Like, it's some kind of mystery. Like, you got to pray you know, 12 hours, you got to make sure you've dialed in the lingo of when you're going to talk to that person and how you're going to approach them, what you're going to say. and You know, we kind of just, we overdo it and we kind of end up talking ourselves out of it, right? I mean, anybody ever there, you're just like, you go in there super nervous, you're like, what if I say something stupid? Um, What if I just use like Christianese, you know, all language that nobody understands except for a few Christians at a church on Sunday? And we end up talking ourselves. But listen, Jesus started off with, with just asking a question. Like it wasn't deep. He was, he was actually even thirsty. So it, it very well could have been very much unrelated to the mission, really. Uh, the Bible says in the Gospel of that Jesus was weary. And so in his weariness, he said, Lady, can you grab me? Can you get me some water? And this kind of snowballed, if you would, into a beautiful conversation. Can I just encourage you not to overdo it? Hey, listen, if you're worried about what language, you probably should be. You know, don't go in with the Christian vernacular and, and the Christian language as well, you know, like, thus saith the Lord. Like, I appreciate treasure hunting. I really do. Okay, it's a lie. I, I, I don't. But if you do it, hats off to you, right? Uh, but I, you know, like, I want my approach to... Gospel sharing, Jesus, like sharing my faith, to be very simple, very, very practical, very loving. I, I in no way, not because I'm afraid of looking like a weirdo. I'm sure I'm doing a great job right now, looking like that. But um, when, when I'm when I'm when I'm compelled or when I'm stirred to want to share my faith with an unbeliever, uh, the last thing I'm going to do is act like a Christian. I mean, let, let me let me back up. Of course, I'm not going to, you know, uh, of course I'm not going to get crazy. I mean, I'm going to. You know, I, I will be a Christian. But I'm not going to go in there with the vernacular and the language and the lingo and try to, like, pressure myself to get a prophetic word. I'm just going to be simple. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be a human. And in my humanity, I'm going to hope that Jesus uses me. And maybe that will lead to something far greater than just, can you get me a cup of water? Let me kind of just touch upon, in closing, the... Um, the obedience aspect of this whole thing again. If you would turn with me to John chapter 15. Uh, I think that Jesus um, pretty much captures the tone, I guess, in the um, kind of the language of what I'm trying to say here the best. Even though it might be unrelated to like the obedience needed for gospel spreading, um, it is a beautiful look into what... um, Uh, how we are full, are fulfilled when we choose obedience. Here's Jesus in verse uh, 10 of chapter 15 of the Gospel of John. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, These things I have spoken to you. Remember, his, his commandments, these things I've given you, I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Did you catch the connection there between uh, um, obedience to keeping the commands of God and the, and, and the joy Christ-centered, Christ-fueled joy being in us? And then he goes, and that your joy may be full. See, we, all, we sometimes, me included, kind of look at obedience to Jesus as like being obedient to that overprotective parent it doesn't let us do anything. It doesn't let us have any fun, right? Um, always like stops us from uh, you know things that we really really want to do. When in fact obedience is meant to fulfill some kind of deep emptiness within us. Not not in its entirety. I'm not. This is just. I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of painting in broad strokes here. But there is there is an aspect, if you would, of obedience. Where, where we become, we kind of get filled, I guess if you would, with the joy of Christ. And I'm sure it's this, just the sheer joy. How many can just say, yeah, that happens. When you're obedient, what's, I mean, when, when I choose the Spirit, when I choose to be obedient to what Christ is telling me to do, I, like a smile comes on my face, a lightness enters my heart. Am I, am I the only one? I mean, we all know what it's like to say yes to God. We all know the emotional impact that has, the joy that that brings. Can I just submit to that? We have some miserable Christians in the church today, and I imagine that that misery is directly attached to the lack of obedience in your life. You see, Jesus said, don't call me Lord, 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 if you can't do what I've asked you to do. Don't come and profess some kind of lie that doesn't exist if you're unwilling to obey me. And so therefore, we're caught up in this tension of like, oh, I, I, got, like I want to obey you, but I can't obey you. and This war starts to ensue. And then finally, we just give up in misery. When in fact, Jesus is not in any way trying to be that over bar- 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 barren, excuse me, um, protective parent just trying to keep us. Don't do that. Don't do this. No, 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 because Jesus won't do that. Jesus will not keep you from a thing that's contrary to his word. He is not going to bend your arm, force your life into something that you are unwilling to do yourself. He's not going to force upon you the need for obedience. He's going to lovingly lead you into that. And he is going to entice you, not because he's controlling you, but because he's knowing that there's a greater joy that will come, a greater sanity, a greater peace on your life that will come through simply being obedient. And in this case we see that obedience directly connected to evangelism. As we go on in the text, I believe it's the second half of verse 35. Jesus says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. You see, up until this point, all the disciples probably can see is Jesus talking to this woman, the Samaritan person who they probably um, are judging, you know, in their minds, you know, thinking, you half-breeds, you pagans, you this, you that. That's all they can see, but Jesus says something. He says, no, I need you to look beyond that. I need you to lift your eyes. So first, before Jesus can send them into the harvest of the Samaritan town, he needs to lovingly lead them to open their eyes and to see the harvest that exists because up until this point, all they can see is their own biases. All they can see is their own prejudices. Can I just say that in order to see the opportunity of any kind of harvest, even our city, or maybe it's just your neighbor or maybe it's just a coworker, Christ first has to open your eyes so that you can seize that opportunity if you're just always blinded by what should be and what isn't and what they don't do and how they don't look like you and how they don't talk like you and how they're offensive to you, then you will never be compelled. You will never have the heart that wants to reach. And so I'm believing in 2020, God's spirit is going to open a lot of eyes here, mine included, to a harvest that exists. It may not look like we want it to look, It may look very humanistic. It may look very secular. It may look very godless. But nevertheless, it is a harvest field. And I believe that harvest field is ripe. And what I want to kind of plead with this church today, if you consider this church your church, is that you with me will open our eyes to see that opportunity, the opportunity that we have, not to just idly get through life, not just to passively, you know, Pay our bills on time, get the nice house, the two cars, the two kids, you know, the 401k, but actually see the missional opportunity before us. And I just ask do you see an opportunity? Do you see an opportunity? Or do you just see a struggle and a war and a fight? Do you just see the complexity surrounding this opportunity? Because there's many, there's many complexities surrounding uh, the, the the effective spreading of the gospel in this city. There's many, but you know what? I'm choosing this year to see beyond those uh, uh, sh- those 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 walls and those those obstacles, and I'm 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 choosing to look beyond and see a harvest that God wants to reach. I'm just asking; it's going to take more than me. To see that I'm asking if you're with me on that. Are you still trying to, you know, find that perfect rhythm in life that ultimately you're hoping that will somehow satisfy you and fulfill you? I'm not hear me. I'm not telling you to leave your jobs and not work and just be, you know, clueless like that. But, but man, if all you do is just exist, all, all you do is just do what this world demands, and you never take any opportunity to be evangelistic. You never take any opportunities to go out and say, Lord, where, how are you leading me today? Who, who, who do you want me to talk to? Who, who is it that I can reach? Who is it that I can love? Friend, if, if you're not there, and there's something deeply, deeply off. There's something that needs to be realigned because Jesus, His mission still stands. The same mission He gave His disciples, He has given us right before He was Uh, ascended into heaven he said to his disciples I am sending just like the Father has sent me into this world I am sending you into this world listen you are part of those numbers you are the disciples in which uh, Jesus is still desiring to send into the world and listen you don't have to be in full time ministry actually that's far you know from what is true it's not like you have to have some title you are a Christian you are a disciple and just as God Sent his disciples into the world, and just as God sent his son into the world, he is sending us into the world in hopes that we might go and make disciples. I don't know, I just want to remind some people of our mission because I I don't know. I I see, for the most part, the church is largely distracted, largely just caught up in their own little bubble. Sorry, that was a little too direct. Uh, Largely caught up in their own little bubble. Is that better? That's just so self-absorbed. It's so like, oh, you know, I just can't do this, and just overworked. I'm over this. I'm over that. I mean, know, you're just like, you're stuck. And God wants to kind of break you free from that self-absorbed kind of kind of focus. And I hope to kind of move this church forward, get us on mission. Listen, our goal is not to just build a church of just. You know, Christians cycling through from church to church to church. That's boring. Nobody wants that, and that's not why Christ has sent us in to the world and planted this church. I'm really looking that 2020 will be the year that we casted our nets that we took chances to, to speak to others about the gospel. And, you know, let God work that out in the way that you do that. I, I believe that God will be creative and give you things to say. You don't have to be Christianese, but just kind of what my hope is is that God just provokes us in this area. And I'm hoping that we can see being provoked is actually a good thing, that we can actually see that our obedience to this is life-giving. It, it's, it's, it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. It's deeply satisfying, and I don't know if you're like me, and you kind of, your, your, your life looks like a giant roller coaster of up and downs. One day you're happy, one day you're in the pit, you know, one day this, one day that, one day, you know, it's just crazy. I'm hoping that this kind of obedience will bring some stability to our life and perhaps some joy. Let me just leave you with two scriptures. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Um, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my what? Witnesses. This is Jesus. This is his kind of proclamation to the early church. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then in John 17, 18. This is the scripture verse that I referenced earlier. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. This... Is the great interest that dominates Jesus' thoughts for the church? We are not, friends, at liberty to set our own priorities as Christians. That may be offensive to you. If you're a believer today, I'm sorry. I haven't come to spin this, I haven't come to sugarcoat things, I haven't come to just tell you what you want to hear in order to build bigger crowds. I've come to just say it how it is. We as believers, we are not at liberty to prioritize our lives the way we see fit. And so, coming into the reality that I'm I'm to die to self and I'm to pick up my cross and follow Christ, this is one way, one way that I'd like to follow Jesus. I would like to be that witness, right? I would like to be numbered amongst those in which Jesus today is sending into the world to be His witness. And my prayer is that you're there in your heart, you're there in your head, you're there in your intention, in with your priorities, the way you're, you know, building your lives and your marriages and your families and your careers. I hope somehow around what you prioritize, you're you are most certainly prioritizing the Great Commission. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the word of God. I've done my best, Father, to communicate what was on my heart and what I believe was on your heart. And so, Lord, we're looking to you. We realize, God, that we can't you know, will ourselves into this. We can't pressure ourselves into this. We can't say, why can't you get it right? Please get it right, Lord. We can't do any of this. We need a great grace to rest upon us, Lord. We we need um, an obedience that is um, solid, Lord, that is not necessarily done because we're fearful of anything, but because we just so love you and want to obey. And so, Lord, I'm just asking for everyone here, God, for you to lovingly lead us to action, God. The same mission that we see Jesus on in John chapter four, give us many opportunities, God, like Jesus had there. Let us have eyes that are lifted, not just upon our circumstances, not just upon what's hard in this life, but the harvest, God. Give us eyes to see the opportunities that are before us. Uh, If it's our co-workers, Lord, if it's, if it's neighbors, Lord, if it's other students at school, God, I just ask, Lord, that our eyes would be open to see the opportunity, the field, God, the one or two, God, that, that you're drawing us to. Let us be obedient to be obedient, God, I guess. That makes sense. significantly different than 2019, God. I know as a pastor, I know that much of the growth that we've experienced here at Hilltop is mainly due to just people leaving their churches and coming to another. And Lord, we want people to be in the right church and amongst the right people, but we don't want that to be our growth strategy. And Lord, we're not doing this to grow, but God, we don't want to be that church that just ultimately builds comfortable you know christian environment where people can just you know not do anything and just come and consume and consume never give and never be witnesses and so god make us a missional community we preach a lot about it we speak a lot about it god but now father i ask lord that you would provoke us to be missionaries in our city in the ways that you've graced us and the places that you've placed us in jesus name i pray